we, we just got to keep letting the, the, the Lord put His hands on us and work. And I think one of the best things each one of us can say is, Here I am today, Lord. Here I am today. Change me. Make me. And, 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 and keep working on me. And keep doing the things you want to do on the inside of me. And, and, and the thing is, so many times, we try to make things happen. Instead of allowing the Lord to make it happen. And so, I don't know about you if you've ever been this way before. But at times in my life, I've had like a spiritual checklist. And it says, pray. And I check and say, I prayed today. Read your Bible. I check it. Yep, I read my Bible. Confess the Word. Yep, I've done that. And, and so many times in our life, it becomes like a spiritual checklist. And when we do that, it's almost like we're trying to qualify ourselves. Now, nothing's wrong. We all need to pray. We all need to get in the Word. We need to confess the Word over us. But what I want you to understand is this, that you're not going to be able to change circumstances without Father God. That as long as I stay on the wheel and let God keep shaping me and mold, God will do it. Too many times, though, we jump off. And the reason we jump off is we get frustrated because things don't happen on our timetable. Hurry up, God. See, we think about this in our society. We're such an instant society. We love instant oatmeal. We love that microwave popcorn. We love the ATM. We love the remote control. I can go from 2 to 64 in a matter of seconds. And that's a fact, Jay. I promise you, I can do that. Man, I'm like... And so we love things instantly. But with God, God isn't on a timetable. You know, that's why the Scriptures say, one day to God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. When, when you look at everything from the view of eternity, you got forever. Now think about it. That's how God views things, eternally. And so just stay on the wheel and let God shape you. Now we're going to start tonight in John 15. Begin with me in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you. Now when I see stuff like that, it always raises a question, just what did he speak to me? Well, we're going to find out, but let's keep reading. That my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Now when you have the joy of the Lord, guys, man, you're going to be happy in life. Because the joy of the Lord isn't based on your dream vacation. It's not based on a new car. It's based on something that happens inwardly. And so when he begins to talk about these things, everything I've spoken to you, evidently there's things that he's spoken to us that is going to bring us a joy. Not a false joy. Not a mirage. You know, a mirage is something that appears real. Well, the things of God, they don't appear real. They are real. And so let's go back and let's just look in verses 1 through 10 and see exactly what was spoken to us. John 15, verse 1. I am the true or the real vine. Now this is Jesus talking. That's who Jesus is. And He says, my Father is the vine dresser. Our Heavenly Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away... And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it bear more fruit. And so when you read this, as a believer, now he starts out every branch in me, and so that's a believer. When you live in Jesus, so he's saying that as a believer, I'm called and you're called to be a fruit-bearing believer. Not fruitless. And so when it talks about fruit right there, 
One of the things he's talking about is for us to be Christ-like. The fruit he wants to see in us is a Christ-likeness. When we have the same fruit that Jesus did, but I believe also that when he gets over in fruit, you can always go to Galatians 5, 23, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Well, there's nine of them. Love, and I'm not, I'm not talking about this world. I'm talking about a love from the inside, a peace, a joy, a, a, a long-suffering. You know what that is? Patience. How many of you could use a fruit of patience today? I know I can, man. That's one of the things the Lord works on me every day. Well, the, the fifth one is self-control. Self-control in my eyes, self-control in my mouth. Just a, an anointing of self-control. The fruit of self-control. And then the last four, whoo, talking about good fruit, is goodness, kindness, gentleness, and the last one is meekness or humility. And so this is the type of fruit that the Lord wants each one of us to have. And so in order for the branch to produce fruit, I must submit to the Lord to pruning and discipline. Now there's two things in here that he says here in verse 2. Remember, the Lord's going to cut on you if you don't bear any fruit. He said what? I'm going to cut you off. And if you do bear fruit, he's going to prune you back. He's going to cut on you. Why? Because he wants you to bear more fruit. And the reason he wants us to bear more fruit, because I realize in my own life, when I get to a point in my life where I'm satisfied, you know what that normally leads to? Lukewarm. Average. Mediocre. And so Jesus' goal is that we always continually bear fruit. So when you look at this verse, you're pruned if you do and you're pruned if you don't. You're going to get cut on one way or another. So think, all right, Lord. Now, in my own life, when the Lord starts pruning on me, the thing that helps me out is, you know what I understand? The Lord's got a desire for me to have more fruit in my life. He's cutting me back. Now, if you've ever done much pruning, now, I'm not a real good pruner. Man, I'm telling you, my wife's got some rose bushes in the backyard, and I hate those things. And so about once or twice a year, I, I give them a haircut. You're talking about a bad-looking haircut. I don't get pruning shears. I take a shovel. And I whack the dog out of them. And I mean, they look bad. And I think, I killed them this time, praise the Lord. And she'll come out and she'll look at them. And it's astounding to me. And a couple months later, you go out there with these big old red, beautiful roses. And I think, dear Lord. And the Lord always reminds me, that's exactly what I do to you. When you let me. When we let him. When we allow him to do it. Verse 3, now get this. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. The things that I have taught you, and so when you look at what Jesus is saying here, the word of God will cleanse you. It will clean you up if you'll allow it to. If you'll begin to yield to the word of God and be a doer of the word, not a hero, man, the word will change you. It will change you incredibly. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. Now listen to this, as the branch, that's me and you, it cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. And remember, Jesus said, I'm the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now when you look at that verse, Jesus really, really emphasized the word abide or abiding. Listen to the different meanings of that in translations. To abide means to dwell. It means to remain. It means to live there. It means to make it your home. 
And so Jesus is saying in there, if you abide in me, if you abide in me. Now, what I see in this, it's like a union that may take place. A relationship. Now, this is what Jesus is saying here to each one of us. And to me, it's kind of like a marriage. we got to be married to Jesus. You know what a good marriage is a result of? Two people. That's a good marriage. You know what a result of a bad marriage is? Two people. And so in this situation... If it's going to be a good marriage with Jesus, i got to hook up to Him. Now, I'm going to tell you what. Jesus is going to do His part, guys. The key is me and you that we keep abiding with Him. We keep remaining with Him. And when I look at this right here, I'm going to tell you, He's given us the invitation. His goal is that we abide with Him. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him, he bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now when I look in verses 4 through about 7, on five different occasions he mentions abide or abiding. I believe Jesus really, really wants us to get this. That i, I got to make my home in Jesus. i got to keep hanging out with him. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me... He is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them, and they throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7, if. Now man, that's a big, big word to circle right there. If. If. If is a choice. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now the message says, if you make yourself at home with me. And so when I abide in Christ, and His Word abides in me, I'm going to tell you, something begins to happen. Something incredibly happens. And if you look there, that if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, what did He say next? Then you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. So right here, Jesus tells me in you something. He said, if you'll just hang on to me, and let my Word get on the inside of you, It'll affect your prayer life incredibly. Incredibly. Now I think about this. At times in our life when we've prayed about stuff and it doesn't happen when we want it to or how, man, a lot of times we get mad at God. What's up, God? Don't you see this? But yet I think right here in a lot of times in our life, I've got to go back and ask myself this question. Am I abiding in Jesus? Am I making myself at home in Jesus? And am I allowing His Word to abide on the inside of me? See, too many times, guys, we want to do our own thing. But then we want God to answer our prayers. And so right here, He's given us an insight. Verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified. What, what is my Father glorified? That you. That me and you. What? We bear much fruit. I'm going to tell you, Jesus' desire for each one of us that we, we, we bear much fruit. And then He says this, so you will be my disciples. So when I start bearing fruit in my life, it's a sign that I'm a disciple of the Lord's. I mean, when people begin to see fruit in your life and change in your life, I'm going to tell you, that's a good thing. 
That tells me you're on the right track. Keep reading. Verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide or remain or make yourself at home in my love. Now verse 10 is very key that we get this. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. There was a condition. What was the condition? i got to keep His commandments. And then He said, And you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment, and I abide in His love. So i got to continue in the things of God. i got to not only abide with Him, man, i got to get in my heart. I'm, I'm going obey, to obey His commandments. I'm going to obey Jesus. And so you know what this tells me? i got to keep hanging on to the vine, which is Jesus, and i got to start letting that vine download on the inside of me. See, it's like a, a, a grape. As long as that grape is hooked to that vine, man, it's going to grow. It's going to produce. See, that's the same with our lives. And then look what he jumps into, where we started. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And so when I look at all this, so many times in our life, guys, we pray to the Lord, Lord, do something for me. But what would happen if we begin to pray, Lord, do something in me. Do something in me. Let your fruit start erupting on the inside of me. Now remember this, guys. When we talk about grace, grace is the power to change us. Grace is an empowering on the inside to, to change me, to change my, just to cause me to walk in the things of God. Now when I look at all this, in order for grace to start moving in my life, I've got to stay attached to the vine. Now, I don't know if any of you are gardeners. I'm, I'm kind of a jack-leg gardener. I mean, if you saw my garden, you'd say, well, Pastor, that's not much of a garden. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not bad. I've got two tomato plants and six green chili plants. That's the crop this year. That's it. But when I put that tomato plant down in the dirt, you don't see nothing. You cover it up. But as long as you keep watering it, and how do we water ourselves? With the Word, and we get into the present. You keep getting in that Word. And the same with that tomato plant. Before long, you see this little green sprout coming up. And when that little green sprout, you get, you get it happy. You start picturing what? Those big boy tomatoes and big fat ones. Even though there's not any there. And you keep watering it before long, you know what happens? You got this little yellow blossom on there. And then you get real happy. And then before long, there's a little, little, little bitty speck about the size of a BB that's green. And when you see that on there, you really start getting interested. All right, here we go. And you keep watering, you keep watering, and you just keep watering. And as long as that little green dot hangs on to the vine, he starts getting bigger. He starts maturing. He starts getting ripe. You know, see, that's exactly the same as us. As long as I stay plugged into Jesus, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep going. Now think about this. Wouldn't it be stupid for me to go out there and plant that tomato plant today, go out there tomorrow and get mad and dig it up and say, stupid seed, it didn't work. But see, that's exactly what we do to Father God a lot of times. When things don't happen immediately with us, we dig it up. Now, I told you, that, that faith stuff doesn't work. The Word of God doesn't work. I, I told you. I told you. 
Those Christians are a bunch of fruit of the loom. They don't have a clue. No, i got to stay hooked to the... I just keep abiding. I keep abiding and keep abiding. Now go with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 29. And we're going to get into another area of grace tonight. And remember, one of the definitions of grace is unmerited favor. And so when I look at that, the word for grace and favor in the Greek is exactly the same word. Exactly the very same one. So the grace of God is the favor of God. You're going to see some things tonight on favor. I mean, I'm going to tell you, it'll bless you and it's going to help you. Now, this is a story about a man named Joseph, and you guys probably know it. If you don't, man, I'm going to give you the Stormy Swan paraphrased edition. And so I may ad-lib a little bit here, but remember Joseph, a teenager. He's had this great dream, and the dream was accurate, but Joseph got a little arrogant. He got a little haughty, got a little cocky about it. So his brother said, we're just going to kill that rascal. Instead, they sell him as a slave. He's sold into slavery to a man in Egypt named Potiphar. So he begins to serve Potiphar, and Potiphar trusts him with everything. But Potiphar's wife's got the hots for, for Joseph. She can't keep her eyes and her hands off of him. And Joseph doesn't want to have anything to do with her. So one day, she falsely accuses him. Now, this is where the story picks up. Genesis 39, verse 20. Then Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. So you see, to, see here, he was treated unfairly. He was jailed for something that he didn't do. Now in life, sometimes we get treated unfairly. I'm going to tell you guys, I don't care how we're treated, i got to stay hooked to God. I keep abiding in the things of God. I like to say it this way. I can't change anything anyone does but me. The only one I have jurisdiction over is me. That's the same with Joseph. Now, it's been very easy for Joseph to say, I'm going to tell you, the day I get out of prison, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get even with them. But he doesn't do that. Well, how do you know he doesn't do that? Well, look what happens. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. So you know what this tells me? For the Lord to be with Joseph. Joseph kept abiding with the Lord. He remained faithful to God. So it says, but the Lord was with Joseph. And he showed him mercy. And he gave him favor. Now I want you to highlight something there. He gave him favor. It didn't say he earned favor. He gave Joseph favor. And when I read this, the Lord was with Joseph even in a very difficult and unfair situation. Do you know what I saw in all this? Year after year after year. You know what Joseph did? He stayed hooked to the vine. He kept believing God. You know how long this was? From the time he was sold as a slave till the time he became the king. It was 13 plus years. Some of you will say, I ain't waiting 13 years. See, we look and we get in a hurry. But as long as we stay hooked to God, 
God's got plans. Now, I'm not preaching the 13-year doctrine. That's not what I'm saying. Unless it happens to you, then, well, enjoy the journey. But just keep hanging on with him. Verse number 22. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Now, I'm going to tell you, I believe this big, guys. When we stay hooked to God, you ought to expect the favor of God in your life. You ought to expect it. And I'm not saying that arrogantly or haughtily. You ought to expect it. And so he said he, he put everything in his hands in the prison. And whatever they did, it was Joseph's doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made him prosper. Now, I'm going to tell you, the only time the Lord does those things is when I'm hooked to him. God wants us to be blessed. But if Joseph would have walked in unforgiveness, if Joseph would have disconnected himself from God, God wouldn't have able to do this. Now, I want you to see something really incredible here. God's favor is on people just because He loves us. And right here in this situation, the favor of Joseph was on him, even in the effect of other people. Joseph was a Jew. Joseph was a prisoner. I want you to understand that. And the favor of God came on him in one of the worst situations. See, God's favor is available to every one of us, but many times, we don't partake of it. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, let me ask you this. Was God's salvation always available to you? Yeah. And you know what? You didn't always partake of it either, did you? No, I didn't. But what happened? When I gave my heart to Jesus, how did I do that? I confessed with my mouth and I believed in my heart. I'm going to tell you guys, that's the exact same way that you receive the favor of God. You start believing God. How do I start? Man, I'd start confessing it out of your mouth. I thank you. The favor of God is in me, on me, everything I do. And many times people will say, well, I can't do that. Yeah, you got to start activating your faith. Start abiding in God and then expect His mercy. Expect His favor. But a lot of times we don't do that. You know, a lot of times you know what people will say, well, if I had any luck at all, it would be bad luck. I don't expect God to move at all. I, I know people that they say, Pastor, i got a job interview tomorrow, but I really shouldn't even go. I don't know why I'm going. I'm not going to get it. You know what I want to say? You know, all the way there, you need to start expecting the favor of God. You start confessing, oh, thank you, Father God. Your favor is all over me. I thank you, Father God. The reason I can tell you that, look right here. This was a guy who was, like I said, a Jew in the midst of a prison. Now, you would think a prisoner wouldn't get favor of God, but it wasn't what he deserved. It's just what God gave him. That's the same with it. Look in Psalm chapter 5. Oh, man, some of you get ready. This is going to bless you right here. And, and the reason I, Psalm chapter 5, I believe Joseph had a faith attitude, even in a bad situation. You know what he did? He kept trusting God. He kept hanging out with God. He kept hanging on to God. And all of a sudden, man, favor of God began to hit him. 
See, you can earn the favor with man. How do you earn the favor with man? By, by manipulation and control. You can, you can uh, treat folk a certain way and they'll give you favor. But the favor of God, you can't earn it. It's just a gift. And you know what God says? That's my boy. That's my girl. I want to favor them. I want to bless, I want to mercy them. Now look right here. Psalm 5, verse 11. If any of you ever have me pray for you for a job, you'll hear me quote this. I quote this all the time. This, these verses are living and breathing in me. There is no telling how many days, or how many times a day, I quote this over me. Verse 11. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. You know what you're putting your trust in Him? That's faith. I'm just going to believe you, Father God. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. God said, I'll defend you. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. Be joyful in who? In Father God. Now look what it says here in verse 12. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. You know who the righteous is? That's me and you. If you're born again, it says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And some of you will say, I'm not righteous. Yeah, you are. Yes, you are. You need to start saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I thank you. Now, what did he say he wanted to do? He said, I want to bless the righteous. And with favor, you will surround him with the shield. The message says he'll deck you out in delight. And so God wants to grace you. He wants to favor you. And so throughout my day, I just, man, I'm telling you, I thank you, Father God, your favor is upon me. I thank you, Father. Everywhere I go, you're favoring me. You know what one of the definitions of favor is? It means to be featured. God doesn't want to feature me. Yeah, He does. He wants to give you preferential treatment. You know why? To those who are His. I'm telling you guys, God wants us so blessed, so favored, that the rest of the world takes notice and says, man, I cannot believe what God's doing in your life. See, that's what it is to be favored. Can you imagine what the rumble was in the prison? This prisoner. And on top of that, this little Hebrew boy, who's a teenager, or early 20s at this time, he's in charge of the prison. How can that be? The favor of God... The favor of God. Now listen, listen to me. If God says, I want to bless the righteous and my favor surrounds you like a shield, you know what I'm going to do? I may not deserve it, but I'm just going to thank you, Father God. I'll take a double dose of that every day of my life. I'm going to exercise my First Amendment right in Jesus and say, He's favoring me. Now you may think I'm crazy saying this, but this, this is the truth. Every time I go to Walmart, I pray for favor. I, I promise. Every time. And you know what I say? I thank you, Father God, first of all, you're going to get me a close parking space because I know my wife is going to buy a bunch. And I'm telling you guys, I will in there. This happened, what is tonight? This happened Monday night. I'm wheeling down through there and I'm saying, I thank you, Father God, your favor's upon me. And bing, I see the brake light, they pull it out. Pastor pulled in and I said, maybe I don't deserve it, but thank you. Where were you? I was on the first row, the very first one. I wheeled in there and I thought, man, God's just featuring me. And some of you say, you're crazy. No, 
And this is not arrogant or haughty. I realize this is the blessings of God. If he said, I want to favor you. I'm going to tell you guys, when I get up there and the lines are backed up, I look at the lines and I say, Lord, I know I, I need help with patience. But I pray to Father God, favor, favor, favor. And it's shocking how many times the little lady steps around the counter and says, Sir, we're opening another line. And I walk right on in and say, Man, God is just featuring me tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But see, here's the deal. You've got to get over and start believing. Thank you, Father, for your favor. If you've got a job interview that starts saying, I thank you, Father God, you're favoring me. You're blessing me today. I'm the righteous. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, I've, I've prayed this for years and years. This, some of the stories I could tell you would be shocking to you how I believe. I'm going to tell you some of them real quick. Man, these are just jumping on this inside of me. A couple of years ago, I went to one of the national championship football games down in Miami in the Orange Bowl. Now, I've been to two of them, and neither one of them were fun because the team I was rooting for both times lost. And so it wasn't fun. I get down there, and me and my brother, both times we go, we go and we don't have a ticket. So what are you guys going to do? We're going to believe God. We're going to run into the scalpers. Well, we ran into one that morning. And we asked him, what are you asking? And I'm telling you, his price was crazy. I looked at him like, you're full of the devil, buddy. I ain't paying you that money. And so we walk around and we go back and we come back four hours later. And I told my brother, there was two other pastors with us. I said, listen, boys, we got to believe for the favor of God here. I came all the way to Miami. We're getting into that game. We're play. We see this same guy. Four hours. He hadn't sold any of the tickets. He almost begs us now. And so that Jewish blood within us, woo, we started getting blessed. And I'm telling you, if you never seen nothing until you get me and my brother together. And so we start finagling back and forth. We end up paying 80% less of the ticket value. So before the game, one of the guys said, man, I love to eat at the restaurant Tony Roma's Ribs. Well, I've never eaten there, so we go there to eat. So we walk in, the head chef walks out. And me and him happen to go to the bathroom together. And so we're sitting there at the urinal, and he said to me, he said, hey, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm going to the ball game tonight. Are you going? He said, no, I can't get off work. He said, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a pastor. He said, really? And I said, yeah. I said, man, God blessed us to come down here. So we go back in there to eat, and we just pray over our meal. Thank you, Father God, all of us. Just thank you for blessing us today. We get ready to leave, and I asked the waiter, I said, we need the check. And he said, there is no check. And I turned around and looked. The head cook, he's standing there, the head chef, and he goes, you blessed my life today just being around you. It's on the house. And I said, thank you, Lord, for featuring me today. Thank you, Lord. Now, I'm not saying that arrogantly. I'm just saying when God said He wants to bless, I need to realize the last time I go to the national championship games, listen to this, guys. The tickets are $650. I said, I wouldn't pay you near that. Are you crazy? And so it bothered me. So I got on the phone and I called Shelly. And she said, are you in the stadium? I said, no, dear. I said, you need to agree with me right now that the favor of God is going to come on me in the name of I said, I'm not giving in yet. I'm going to get in there and watch the, the favor of God. Listen, guys, I watched the whole second half on the bottom row. I could have reached over and touched the grass. And you know how much it cost me? Zero. It didn't cost me a dime. 
I got a guy and he came out and ended up saying, here, I just want to bless you. You can go in. And I thought, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And so these things begin to happen, but it only happens when you begin to hook up, when you begin to think, thank you. It's just like grace. I don't deserve it. But God said, I want to grace you. I'm telling you some of that right now. Some of you need to start confessing the grace and the blessings of God over you. Over you, over you, over. How many of you have ever been in traffic? You needed to be somewhere fast. It seems like that happens to me quite a bit. And I'm telling you, it wasn't long ago, and I'm running late, and they're paving the road down where I live. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh God, I can't be late, I can't be late. And so finally I said, Lord, just give me favor, give me favor. And it's backed up and everything. This guy pulls up in the truck, stops, just a car or two in front of me. He gets out and looks at me and goes, I'm the first one. And so I just pull out my little 91 Ford Ranger and blue kisses and said, thank you, Father God, thank you. Now you can believe that all you want or you can start jumping on board and saying, I thank you, Lord. He wants to grace me. Start believing uh, Psalm 5 and 12. Oh, Father God, your favor surrounds me like a shield. Your favor, it tickles me because I heard Joyce Meyer talking about this the other day. And she started talking about all the blessings she gets when she goes into restaurants. She says, Father God, I thank you for favor. Now remember what favor means? God wants to feature you. And some of you say, God doesn't want to feature. Yeah, He does. Well, no, yes, listen guys. It's not based on what you've done. It's based on what Jesus done. So you know what? If He said, I want to bless the righteous. And I'm going to walk in those blessings. I thank you, Father God. And I tell Him, all those blessings that the rest of these guys don't want, I'll take those too. Hallelujah. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm a, let me tell you one more story and then I'm going to let you go. I was at the men's advance this year and, you know, God's blessed me. He blesses me with things all the time. And I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm blessed. And I had a pastor and he's from Kansas City and he said to me, he said, man, the Lord told me to buy you a new driver. And I said, he told you to buy me a new driver. I said, well, let me see that dude. And he pulled it out and I swung it a little and I said, well, that's a favor of God right there. That dude will hit a ball. And so I was able to take the old one I had, which was a good one, and give it away. And so I'm sitting in this golf shop, and this one other guy said, those are some of the coolest golf shoes I've ever seen. He said, the only problem, that's the last pair they have. And he said, it, it, it's an eight and a half. He said, I don't know any men who buy, own an eight and a half. He said, if they own an eight and a half, I would buy them. And he looked at me and he said, you wear an eight and a half, don't you? And I said, yep. So I go out to the car, and you know what? There's a new pair of golf shoes. So I came home, and I told Shell, look at the favor of God. Just the blessings of God. Now listen, I want to tell you something about that. Years ago, I had a set of pink irons. And one day the Lord said to me, I want you to give those pink irons away. And so when I realized God's telling me to give them away, you know what I understand? He wants to upgrade me. He just wants me to be blessed. So I don't question him. I don't say, Father God, I don't I like those clubs. So there's a boy, a, a young college student in the church. And I said, you've been playing in golf? He said, no. Nah. He said, I don't have any clubs. I said, yeah, you do. So I sewed those ping. I sewed those ping. One day, and one day, guys, I, I sewed a brand new Cleveland driver. I sewed a brand new ping driver. I had a, two guys say, we'll pay. I said, I don't want nothing for it. I just want to be a blessing here. You know why? Because God's going to favor me. He's going to favor you. He's going to favor us. And you know what? It's just the blessing. I don't deserve it. 
And some of you looking at me like you are crazy. Nah. Stand on your feet. I better let you go for I twist some of you tonight. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, when I, when I know certain things are...